Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Here we are on another episode of Erotic Awakening. Yay! Today we are going to be talking about, uh, it's actually part two in our series about Mm -hmm. typical stages of Total power exchange relationships, stages, and issues. At least the way we experienced it. Absolutely. Um, and today we'll be talking about the part two stage mm-hmm. where you realize that it's not a fantasy and real life still has to be dealt with. Exactly. But before we get into that, I think we have a little bit of junk, but not much. Yeah, not much. We seem to cover most of that uh, on Monday, just a couple of days ago. So yep. no need to do repeats, but we do have a, a couple of few things. <laughs> Did want to mention that we will be next presenting at the Monkey Puzzle Club in Columbus, Ohio on mm-hmm. uh, December 14th. And there we'll be doing a class on sacred sexuality of some yes. sort. Yes. That is a limited uh, space, limited availability Mm-hmm. event so unless you've already registered you'll want to hurry up i think they only allow for 15 people yeah something like that so you have to be on the FET group for it and when they say we're open to taking names yeah they only take the first so many that sign up for the class mm-hmm. so, and on that you've been doing a lot of work with a mailing list i have so i've actually been doing a look yeah because i'm visual so i want it to look like neat Mm -hmm. (laughs) so but what we decided to do is we keep having people um write us off and on about you know if you have a mailing list i'd like to be on the mailing list and you know instead we uh point them towards the website and we we finally decided to go ahead and put a mailing list together so and what happens is is you go to the website and you have a little link on the website down on the left hand side it looks like a little postage thingy and you click that and type in your email address and then as we put out announcements or newsletters or just various things there won't be a lot but there'll Mm -hmm. be a little bit you know you'll get an email giving you more information so let's say we have a new book come out Sure. You would get an announcement. Let's say we have an um, event coming up. <laughs> you would get an email. Sure. You know, little things like that. Mm-hmm. If, I was going to say if we got a new podcaster, you know, a new guest host. That's where you would find out That's first. That's where you would find out first. We did uh, make sure that the uh, the engine that we used allows it to include a big old unsubscribe button on, mm-hmm. on it in case you decide, well, I thought... I was going to like these, but I don't like these. And we're thinking maybe once a month should be plenty. Yeah. For a newsletter. And then sure. if there's any announcements, you know, little pokes here and there. But yeah, I don't plan on overusing it at all because I don't like that in my email box. But just another way <laughs> that people can stalk us. Yes. It, they can also stalk us via the FetLife uh, profiles that you and I have. Or mm-hmm. the FetLife Erotic Awakening group that we have. Exactly. The it- Facebook 
erotic awakening one word. Mm-hmm. So, or I love to hear the voices. So, and if you send me a naughty voicemail, that would be even better. Two zero six three zero nine zero zero five four. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into this topic? Um, you know, probably just the, the only other thing that I was wanting to talk about was that I had someone write me on FET. And um, that happens every now and then. People mm-hmm. write and ask for advice or ask for examples or something like that. And I did have somebody from Tennessee write me, and she was looking for examples of rituals. So to use in her relationship. And she says that she had done some research and she had Googled and she had, you know, read some different things. And all she was finding was theory. She Mm -hmm. wanted some actual examples of things that have worked. So I ended up writing her with um, some examples. She wanted some stuff on greetings, how to do greetings with the kids around and without the kids around and in high protocol situations and how to serve a drink and, you know, and things like that. And, uh, you know... Sometimes people find that once they're given a hardcore physical example that has actually worked for somebody and not just theory, Mm -hmm. that it'll start clicking things in their head. And they're like, oh, well, you did this, but I think I'll tweak it that way. You know, and it seemed to really work for her. So we may have more material for another book because this stuff just <laughs> seems to seems to flow out and people seem to be wanting hardcore examples. What, what kind of rituals are, are we talking about? Well, um, like serving the drink. Mm-hmm. If the kids are around and I serve your drink, they know that I like to get your coffee. So they learned that a long time ago. So I like to get your coffee. So, you know, I'll go get your coffee. And the thing that I expressed the most to her was that it involves mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So as long as I get your coffee with mindfulness, paying attention to what I'm doing, when I come back, I just stand there and make eye contact with you. Or if that seems odd because the kids are watching or whatever, then I'll set it down in front of you, but I'll still make eye contact with you so that you know I'm being mindful of what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. Um, if it's more of a high protocol situation, it could be anything from I kneel for you and then kiss the rim of the cup Mm -hmm. before I hand it to you again, mindfulness, you know, or you could have some other requirements, but yeah. So between that, a greeting, oh my gosh, the, our greeting is actually going to be a piece of what we're getting ready to talk about in phase two, because you and I used to have to do a special ritual when we worked together. Mm-hmm. And we would come home and we would have to switch from work energy to power exchange energy, you know, when we got home. So we would walk in the door. Again, the kids learned, don't bother us in the first 10 minutes. If we get our first 10 minutes alone in our room, things will run smoother for the evening for everybody. Mm-hmm. And you and I would go into the bedroom and strip off all of our electronics. And I would kneel for you and we would have a mantra. And then you would either either place your hands around my neck or put my collar on for a little bit. And that just kind of, those little rituals just kind of set the energy and set the tone. So, Makes sense. Yeah. So I like the idea that the, um, the point of the ritual is that we can make giving me a cup of coffee or whatever, make it more than just the act of receiving a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. but actually the an active participation for both of us in the receiving of service. Yes. So, and when you add mindfulness to it, it also adds graciousness to it. So it's a gracious service instead of just an action. Mm-hmm. So, and I like that. She seemed to get a little bit out of it. So good. 
see what else we can come up with ritual-wise. It's got my head kind of churning right now, you know. 12 years of doing this, we've had a lot of different rituals. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, this be put, becomes important in our in uh, this stage two or mm-hmm. phase two conversation as you try and maintain some focus. Yes. So what do we talk about in stage one? Give me a quick recap of what stage one was. Uh, so stage one was figuring out that this is the lifestyle that you want, being on a pink cloud, um, trying to turn fantasy into reality, um, the whole new relationship energy and all that type of stuff. So figuring out if you're slave, master, if you're a dom, sub, and just a lot of uh, finding your, your authentic self and realizing that this is uh, a real lifestyle that you can live. Mm-hmm. And that would lead us into the, the phase two. So mm-hmm. phase two we've talked about is where the fantasy... Uh, where you realize it is not a fantasy at all. Right. We're talking about total power exchange relationships. So therefore, mm-hmm. we are talking about power exchange, but we're also talking about the relationship itself. So suddenly we have an actual relationship. Relationships, obviously, they take a lot of energy and they take mm-hmm. a lot of navigation and they take a lot of maintenance. And as we realize that the power exchange aspect of it doesn't negate any of that, it might change how we handle it, but it doesn't negate any of it. Right. Right. So it can pull the, um, you know, I'll say many times, one of the things that actually makes this relationship easier for me is that a lot of the power play is taken out of it. So you're actually designing something where you don't have to have that struggle with power all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it was like reading the marketplace you know, by Laura Antonou. Mm-hmm. Antonou? Oh, I think I said it right. <laughs> and uh, there was a reason I never took French. But, uh, you know, but reading that and going, oh, fantasy, 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 but this turns me on, but this turns me on, you know? And then creating a relationship and realizing that you can't live it like the marketplace, mm-hmm. but you can design it in such a way that you get that same feeling. Right. So it's about pulling that feeling and incorporating that feeling and, and you know, and designing the structure you know, to create all of that. And it can be a lot of fun. Right. Because in the marketplace, there's never the point where Shannon's brother shows up and says, gee, my sister's been missing for three weeks. And I'm kind of (laughs) curious what happened to her. Or Claudia's bill collector shows up and says, you know, Claudia's four weeks behind on her payment to the car. Right. um, So, you know, like you say, right? So the new relationship energy might begin to fade and the Mm -hmm. relationship aspects of, you know, bills still have to be paid. Um, right. The cat litter still needs to be taken out. If there's kids, the kids still need to be taken care of. So, you know, for us, when we first started out, we kind of started out DS light, which means we had um, special weekends that the kids weren't around. So we would do hardcore DS to see if it really still spoke to us or if it was just a fantasy. And, you know, so, so we had those moments. We, we actually had uh, code words that we used when we knew we were going to go into the power exchange and things like that. And it got to where we couldn't turn that off. Mm -hmm. So we were living more and more and more as our authentic selves. Well, that was great. The energy was great. And then, like we said, the cat litter still needed to be taken out. Well, who takes out the cat litter? That's a guy's job. Or is it the slave's job? Or is it the master that's been laid off's job? Or is it the, you know, and and it it starts to get a little confusing and there tends to be a little more road bumps and you've got vanilla people at work going, you know, I'd never take out the cat litter. That's, you know, and so you get a lot of that vanilla reprogramming 
coming back in as well. And that's where some of the, a lot of the difficulties for people lie in, in that when a situation comes up where $10 short on paying the cable bill or mm-hmm. uh, somebody forgot to take the trash out or whatever happens, the tools that we came into this relationship with, yes, we've made this commitment, we're in a power exchange relationship and um, you're going to be my mistress and I will be your toe-kissing slave, but um, the tools that we brought into the relationship are still based on the previous vanilla relationships that we had. And those are tools based on a level of manipulation and emotional blackmail and uh, not wanting to take blame for anything and defensiveness, arguing tactics and strategies to win. Mm. And these are none of these types of solutions are actually going to be useful in a power exchange relationship and what but what we find a lot of people that happens these are the only tools people have right so they start using these tools and it starts pushing and the ms starts fading and taking a back seat um you know if you know when you have to defend yourself in 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 your argument by saying whoa wait i'm the master you're not supposed to talk to me like that i don't Mm -hmm. think um (laughs) you know versus being able to say look shut up I'm not, you know, this is not acceptable behavior. Be quiet, you know, and that's very far from our programming that a lot of us came into the relationship with. So one of the big challenges that people face is that they don't have, they have a wonderful fantasy that they came in here and they came in with ideals and they came in with a vision of what they wanted, but they don't have the actual tools to implement that. Um, You know, I can remember in the beginning of our relationship, if you were, having a particularly uh, difficult time with, for example, depression, or you're just having a bad day, be it due to just biological things like time of the month or bad news, something like that, I would immediately revert to a gentler, vanilla-er way of interacting with you because I wanted, because that's the only skills that I had, you know, developing, you know, that you have to have that conversation with somebody that says, hey, look, I am this hardcore 24-7 mistress of this person, but uh, they got their toe chopped off in an accident. So am I still supposed to say, well, you didn't, am I still supposed to punish them for not doing their 18 tasks around the house? Um, or do I just coddle them? Well, the coddling isn't really the, the correct answer, but not necessarily the, the 18 punishments uh, t- punishment for the 18 task may not be the right answer either. So finding that balance mm-hmm. can be quite the challenge. It can be. And, uh, you know, and I understand that it can be a little difficult. I mean, you're a master, but you're a compassionate master. So having compassion for someone um, can turn you back into the vanilla coddling. And, and I, want to, I want another word besides coddling, but, you know, that does put the point across as to what we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, what works best when I get lost, I love when you're compassionate towards me. I love when you put your arms around me, but sometimes just because of who I am, it works better if you point at me and tell me to kneel and then you tell me to breathe, you know, and my focus comes back to who I am, where I'm at and where I draw my power from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you have to find what works for you in the relationship. And the other thing that you have to find is a communication tool that works for you. Because at this point, you know, it, it may be easier to argue. It may be easier to resist. 
instead of surrendering like you did at the beginning, you know, as a slave, I surrender and now I'm vulnerable and this is who I am and this is where I get my power and, you know, all of that's great and all of that's good and all of that's very valid, especially on my part, you know, once you get a couple of years into it, which is where we were when we started hitting the, hitting the bumps a little bit, you know, we ended up having to have another communication method because vanilla was creeping in and I was starting to resist and it became a lot of work on your part to, you know, to, to keep the, the power exchange going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually had some people ask us and they were having road bumps in their relationship. And they're like, you know, when, when we, when we lose the power exchange energy, whose responsibility is it to put it back on track? You know, was it the slave's responsibility or was it the master's responsibility? So, uh, it is whatever you decide for the relationship, but just the fact that we were being asked that during a time that we were going through that as well, when they were just about as many years into their relationship as we were, kind of reiterates that that's a phase, you know, that mm-hmm. there are speed bumps. So now some people decide that their relationship's worth it and they're going to create things to get through these speed bumps. Yeah. Now, before we jump over there, I want to answer okay. the question. It's the master's responsibility, by the way. And I'm just <laughs> going to take that stance. Yes, sir. Because they, are the, they have decided that they are the designated, and the relationship has decided that they are the designated leader in that relationship. So although the slave can assist and should assist to equal their ability, it is the master's responsibility. And that's just the, the difference between a power exchange relationship and a, and, a, and a peer relationship is that there is a clear line of responsibility. There's somebody who's supposed to be stepping on the gas and saying, hey, let's get going again. Uh, I have not always been that person, and I'll be clear about that. And before we get into solutions, I do want to touch on one other um, issue that people face is as they as they get into this and as the frustration starts to grow that, Hey, I thought it was all going to be wonderful. And I thought it was all going to be marketplace. And I thought it was all going to be naked slave girl at the door when I got home from work. And it's not like that. It's more like boyfriend, girlfriend. It's more like any, or boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, or whatever, uh, connection you guys have. It's more like any other relationship I've ever had. Uh, unfortunately what happens is a lot of people will either give up on the MS aspect of it mm-hmm. or, They'll simply look elsewhere and try and recapture what they thought they had here. Um, and it's unfortunate when people do, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's common enough that people will chase after new relationship energy. Uh, and we know a person or two that's really feeds off that new relationship energy. And that's about, you know, that's where their thing is. Um, and it's hard to maintain that throughout a relationship that new that new relationship energy so you know it's wonderful and it's great but <laughs> i just don't think we're built that way to to keep that energy going every single day no it, and it's interesting i mean certainly the new relationship energy aspect of our relationship seemed to really last a long long mm-hmm. time and i would I would seem to think in the first couple of years people would still say geez you guys are still on the pink cloud thing mm-hmm. And I think that's directly proportional to the amount of energy that you put into it. Mm-hmm. But navigating into the new relationship energy, it will, it does and it will fade. But what does it mature into? Exactly. And how do you assist it into navigating into something new? Now, 
granted, you and I are fortunate in that we are have identified ourselves as polyamorous and we get to play with new relationship energy external. You know, we get to hook up on occasion, as mm-hmm. they say. Um, but it's certainly not sustainable to a long-term relationship. It is its own little thing, you know? Um, so we've, we've had moments where we've had another episode of Pink Cloud just between us and... You know, it, it's it's not oh, like absolutely. at the very beginning. It's not like at the very beginning, but it definitely has its its moments, and and it'll definitely come back. And absolutely, I, I totally agree with that. And I certainly, um, I would say, when we did the international master slave title run, mm-hmm. that new relationship energy kind of re renewed itself. Absolutely, um, both before and after the contest, which is really really interesting. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, but some people do thrive on that a lot and they, they will seek other relationships and they'll give up on the relationship that they have. It's not just a poly thing. Well, they'll go try something new with someone else and keep their current partner. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll keep doing the whole rotating door, you know, every sure. three months, every six months, every year, every whatever. They'll be dissatisfied in the relationship, try a new person. Oops, that NRE is gone. I'm going to go for somebody else. And, you know, so they're really addicted to that, that pink cloud. And like you said, though, there's others that will settle for the vanilla coming in and give up on the power exchange. Right. That that complacency starts mm-hmm. to to seep in and where... You know, and and you see it in a variety of different ways where, um, you know, I expect you to have my socks folded in a certain way every day. And I want four pairs of white socks on my dresser every day. And I come home and some days there's only three pairs and there's two pairs. And, you know, you're like, oh, boy, I'm tired of having to mention this all the time. I think I'll just fold my own socks or, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I'm not going to mention it. or It's just such a hassle. And it, it is a lot of work. To own a slave. It's a lot of work to be in a power exchange relationship. In At least in my life, it's been a lot more work to be in a power exchange relationship than to... Well, I don't know. I was going to say it's more work to be in a power exchange relationship than a peer relationship. All energy, all relationships that are growth-based have energy and need energy. So I, I don't know I want to put a value on more or less, but certainly it's true that it does require a lot of energy to remold yourself into a new relationship style. So I totally agree. And, you know, so at this point where the speed bumps are happening, either complacency is going to take place, like you said, or there's going to be more resistance to it, or there's going to be more punishment needed. You know, you're either going to be complacent and just do it yourself, or you're going to be punishing more and more and more and more as you try to mold this into what you had to begin with. Uh, you know, a lot of the problems uh, for both a slave and a master or dom and sub, whatever terminology you want to use today, a lot of the problems comes into a, a lack of self-confidence starts to seep in. You know, mm-hmm. if I was a good master, you'd be folding my socks the way I told you to. I wouldn't have to remind you all the time. And, you know, you're kind of bratty around other people. You know, that doesn't reflect well on me. Or do you not respect me? And, you know, things like that where... You know, obviously, I was not raised as a master. I had no skills as a master prior to meeting you other than some inherent lucky guessing. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it, there's a lot of fake it till you make it attitude when it comes to MS. If it's your first time in an MS relationship where you have to say, look, I, I believe this is the right way to do it. 
So I'm going to do it that way before before it becomes faith that I am doing it the, the right way. You know, mm-hmm. at, at this point in my life, with you or with a new slave, I have a lot of faith, a lot of self confidence. This is the way it's going to be done, and this is the way I do it, and da da da. You also, as you continue to grow in self-confidence, if it doesn't work out, you say, all right, this is the way I am as a master. If it doesn't suit you as a slave, it's not because I'm wrong right. or you're wrong. It's because we don't suit each other. Exactly. And I would think that self-confidence issues as a slave when the relationship doesn't work out would probably be a deterrence as well or a big issue. I would imagine so. So, but how do you mean? Did you, when things weren't good with us, mm-hmm. did you find yourself questioning, maybe I'm just not a good enough slave to keep, to be in an MS relationship? Sometimes. So sometimes because um, there's actually a lot to learn in being a slave. I mean, for one, you have to be able to let your walls down. You have to let someone else be in charge. You know, I'm, I'm somebody that, that does know how to make decisions and, Though I've gone through my moments where, you know, I don't. So you, there's a different skill set that you have to learn. And as a slave, when it becomes hard, it, it, it's sometimes it can get easy to, to say, you know, maybe I just can't do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just can't do this. Maybe the skills that I need to make this work, I just don't have. You know, maybe it is just a fantasy world. Maybe someone else can do this better. You know, obviously there are other people that are doing it better. Maybe he just needs something else. So, you know, and then you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And so you keep trying to do the right thing and you keep learning. And, you know, at, at this point, especially it's, there's a lot of self-confidence there. So through experience, you end up gaining a lot more Mm self-confidence, but you're very supportive too. So as I've had doubts, you know, you've supported me as you've had doubts, I've done my best to support you. So, you know, we both understand that this is not how we were raised. This is not the way most people live their lives, but that it's, it's who we are. I agree. So... So when you you'd mentioned a few times about speed bumps, and we've mm-hmm. talked about all the problems that can potentially come up. What do we have in the way of solutions, though? So, well, if you're going to make this work, you've got to come up with a toy you know, with a with a toy bag, <laughs> with a toolbox, you know, of different things that'll help you. And you know, I really wish a lot of relationships did things like this, not just power exchange ones, but um, for us. We didn't design a contract right off the bat. We decided in phase one to test this out and to live it and to see how much fun it was and, you know, to see if it really worked for us. It was when we started hitting the speed bumps and decided that this relationship was important enough that we wanted to make it work that we decided to put some solutions into place. And what we came up with, one of them was designing the contract. So, and actually sitting down with ourselves and deciding what our needs and wants were in any relationship, so, or a power exchange relationship. And, um, that was actually very powerful, you know, to sit there and say, I need to be cherished. Mm -hmm. I need this. I need that. And what we tried to do was to not say, I need you to, you know, I would say, you know, I need to be held accountable. 
You know, I wouldn't say, I need you to hold me accountable and this is the way I want you to do it. <laughs> I would right. just say, I need, because that was something I realized about myself. I need to be held accountable, things like that. So we designed the contract and we also came up with um, the communication tool of Porch Time. Mm-hmm. So, and Porch Time, I know people have heard about this a lot. Porch Time works for us. It may not work for all couples, but I highly recommend that all couples come up with a communication tool that does work for them. For us, Porch Time is where we can talk to each other as peers, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, when our communication tools that we've designed within our power exchange um, are just not working and we need to get the issue resolved. So we revert back to our childish, (laughs) (laughs) you know, our childish methods, which sometimes still work, you know, um, not that we want them to time works so well for us. Us. And I think at least is because one of the things that as we began our power exchange relationship, I was clear about is that I wanted to be tre- be treated with courtesy and respect. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that it, and by the way, when you're practicing courtesy with each other, it's very difficult to have a good argument. Your arguments very seem very silly if you're speaking in, in a <laughs> matter of courtesy and with the respect that a master slave relationship has. I mean, obviously, you can visualize a master slave relationship and you know, you're going to speak, yes, ma'am, I appreciate that, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, for allowing me to voice my opinion. But the master or the mistress, on the other hand, has to speak with equal level of courtesy themselves. You know, they can't just say, you know, they say, well, I'm glad you're paying attention, you stupid wonker. <laughs> you know, they have to, sorry, <laughs> should have been wanker, I guess, but um, they have to express, you know, some level of courtesy back. And they don't have to do it you know, in, 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 in as formal a methodology but there's still a level of courtesy and when we speak with courtesy to someone by default you're speaking with respect to someone this to me is why that the contract itself was so important not because we signed a piece of paper but because we clearly stated i got to clearly state here is what is important to me and you had to read here is what's important to dan and you had to Mm -hmm. accept ah this is what's important to me Mm -hmm. the other part of the contract that was so vital for me was that it said you wrote down if i am being discourteous and not pleasing and not doing things the way you're going to hold me accountable for i want you to punish me and i want mm-hmm. you to punish me in this way or that way and even though you didn't get to decide how i would punish you mm-hmm. i when when things did get wonky and i could look at that and say wow she really does want this is even though i feel a lack of confidence and I'm new to the relationship, and my training for the previous X number of years coming into it is to never uh, speak badly to another person or that I was, you know, not to be an egotistical dick or whatever, and and not that I'm saying masters or mistresses are that. The contract clearly says, hold me accountable, grab me by the hair, put me on the floor, and tell me why it's unacceptable Mm -hmm. in your eyes for this action to take place. Don't let me sit in my muck. Right. Pull me out of it and raise me above it. And and the contract was very useful for me to, when I felt uncertain, to give me something solid uh, to look at and say, yep, we have a clear direction. We have a clear path that we've decided on. And we should stay on that path. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, as you were saying, I love porch time as well. Because as you were saying, it just allows me to not 
have to think about how I'm communicating, but just rather. right, right. So because when when you're you're doing it with the respect and everything, which is great, and if that can resolve the issue, great. Mm-hmm. But you're in a thinking mode, whereas porch time, we can get down to that feeling. You know, I have this gut feeling, and I need to dig through the spaghetti so that I can find that little po- core piece that's triggering me, so that I can fix the damn thing. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to get to that trigger. And and if you're if you're if you're in a trigger it's it's hard to communicate with please and thank you and you know and things like that so for us we we needed that space where we could be foot stompy and not hold the other person accountable and and it's really funny we could have done this podcast in about five minutes (laughs) by saying learn to communicate exactly these are all tools related to how you interact and communicate with each other right so one other tool that is in, in my toolbox that is one of my favorites uh, initially, it was the three-day rule. Then it was the two-day rule. I guess it is still the two-day rule, but it doesn't seem to last two days mm-hmm. anymore. But the, the way this rule, the two-day rule is thus, that if there is something bothering me or something bothering you, that we have two days to bring it up, 48 hours. Right. And that means you can't just let things simmer and simmer and simmer. And then, you know, a week later, pull it out of your little index file, say, well, you burnt the lasagna last week. <laughs> You know, if if something is upsetting to you, the idea of this rule is that we put it on the table and we talk about it instead of just letting it fester. Right. The idea of instead of saying, well, why why not have a 20 minute rule? Well, sometimes things can be very uh, edgy. You might be in some kind of a trigger or a fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. Um, I know if I if I'm feeling fear or self-loathing or jealousy or a particularly strong or anger, then it may not be, if I communicate at that time, it may not come out beneficially. It may come out unclear. You know, if, if, if I'm feeling jealousy and I immediately communicate, oh, I can't believe you went and fucked Joey to Joe, Joe, you know, <laughs> by giving myself some time to process that, you know, I can later come to you and say, I felt very hurt by the fact that you went and fucked Jody Jojo in front of an audience, right? Where the, the instead of expressing an emotion in a way that attacks the other person, I can express that same emotion, but express it in such a way that I'm claiming my own responsibility, my own ownership of that. And instead of using it to attack you, I am asking you to assist me in the processing of it. Exactly. So, and that's also something that I call manual mode. Mm -hmm. So if I can give myself a chance to breathe, uh, sometimes if I have a strong reaction, yeah, the first 20 minutes is not the right time to respond. So I need a chance to breathe, a chance to go into self-talk, a chance to just settle you know, the emotional response. And um, then we can talk, you know, after that. So, but I do try to bring it up. We do try to bring it up within 48 hours. Um, I think it's less than that now, but, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll even state, you know, I'm processing something. I'll talk about it later, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just to acknowledge that there's something going on. And, you know, sometimes we'll say, maybe we don't need to talk about it. I, I, but I am processing something because when you get this close and when your walls are down, you're going to feel the energy shift that something's wrong. Right. So, you know, so instead of going through the self-doubt and the self-questioning, you know, did I do something or, you know, some of the stuff that, that we tend to do as humans, 
you know, we don't have to because we know it's the other person's responsibility to bring it up. The other thing is, is that, oh my, okay, Goodness. brief tangent for just a second, <laughs> just a second, because this was actually very important to me and, and really blew my mind. The other thing that I was going to say was, is that if I, if I can tell that something's wrong with you mm-hmm. and I come up to you and, and I say, you know, is there anything wrong? Is there anything that I can help with? And you say, no, everything's fine, but I can tell that it's not. But if you say everything is fine then I have to let it go. Right. You know, the little tangent is I was in one of my psychology classes just recently in college. And the teacher asked us and said, men, if you go to your wife and say, how was your day, honey? And she says, fine. And you walk off, who's sleeping on the couch? And the men were like, we are. And the women are like, we are. And I rose my hand and said, not in my household. (laughs) And she was like, what? And I said, in my household, if I say fine, then I can't punish him for my lie, basically. You know, I can say fine, but I can't punish you for not trying to get the answer out of me. You know, so it's just confusing to me that that these communication ideas and and emotional blackmail and manipulation are still being taught for relationships so Mm. anyway that was my little tangent (laughs) (laughs) that just kind of i just had one of those moments in class where i almost completely outed myself because you know it's like not in my household (laughs) but and having that to summarize that rant of yours (laughs) if i say if you say, how are you? And I say, fine. Then you can just accept the answer. Right. What I might say is not well, but it's not your problem. Mm-hmm. Or it's nothing to do with you. I'll talk about it later. And then you can go, oh, okay, fine. You right. Know, you don't have to sit there and, and do the guessing game on what's what's really the issue. Right. To avoid sleeping on that couch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my toolbox. And I think that pretty much has it. Do you have any other? No. Contract. Uh, keep moving forward at the relationships important to you take responsibility for your role yeah communication methods like i said porch time works for us may not work for everybody but try to have some sort of communication method one other one that i'm going to mention Mm -hmm. is you can't go back you can't go to the first week of the relationship you can't Mm -mm. go back to two weeks it's over right but you can give yourself a nice little break and i absolutely am a big fan of go to one of these events that allow power exchange relationships to be expressed mm-hmm. and spend a weekend in your collar. You and I are so lucky we get to go to all these different events where absolutely, you know, where we'll have the whole hotel. You can put on your collar on Friday night and you leave it on until Sunday morning. Um, and you can stay. We, we don't have to worry about the bills. We don't have to worry about the cat litter, right. which apparently we one must have a hell of a problem. <laughs> With the cat coffee litter. and cat coffee litter. And cat litter. <laughs> you know, give yourself that little MS vacation. You know, spend some time around people that you respect in a power exchange relationship can be powerful as well. Being involved in your community. I think we might save that kind of, I don't know. No, no, but I, I, that's still a tool in the toolbox is to, to have 
other, if you're a master, to have other masters with experience that you can talk to. If you're a slave, having other slaves with experience that you can talk to, like the person that asking me about rituals. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it helps to know that other people are doing this. And when other people have struggles, that they've been able to figure things out too. So it's just good to know that there are other relationships that are succeeding yeah oh absolutely absolutely yes so i want to be careful we don't meld into say phase three phase three right uh but one other thing i do want to mention is one of the things you and i have done is read the same book you know a power exchange Mm -hmm. related book and talk about a chapter and say wow that that's to me too yeah. Um, well, now even, that may lead to writing a book. As uh, that's what I was going to say. But, you know, no, no. <laughs> For us, it was sharing about writing the book. And, you know, and I know that we get to do a lot of events, but sometimes we have to go to something that we're not working. You know, so even though I get to wear my collar when we go to events, you know, and we're presenting and everything, sometimes it's still hard because we're presenting together to have that whole weekend, right. you know, as, as, uh, yeah, <laughs> as master and slave. So sure. even though it's the core, you know, that weekend on, we've had to do the um, the cabin in Hocking Hills with a group of people or just us or, you know, whatever to just have that energy for the weekend. Yep. So. And there you go. Uh, there you go. I think that's it. So, you know, so it seems like phase one is the NRE, mm-hmm. the pink cloud. Phase two is really transforming into yeah, yeah, yeah. the power exchange dynamic from the non-power exchange dynamic or from a non-relationship at all. Mm-hmm. So, and then dealing with the speed bumps as you make it into something even more in Wonderful. depth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it was absolutely worth the, the work that was put into it. So, well, so there you go. That's phase two. And phase three coming soon. Absolutely. Let's wrap it up. I think we should. Erotic Awakening is proud to sponsor <laughs> the secret event. Ooh. Nothing else about that right now. <laughs> oh, but we will be at Sexpalooza. Oh, we will. So we actually do have a bit coming up. Weren't we going to slow down? Yes, we lied. (laughs) We usually do. So, awesome. Oh, I get to do the next one. Let's see. Want to have your product, event, charity, or service as the first thing listeners hear about on our podcast? Make a donation to the podcast for a 10-second front bump on our show that reaches listeners around the world. We just had a New Zealand guy, didn't we? We did. What a bargain. Contact us at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Music provided by End Music. This is called Whim by Pocket Universe. PocketUniverseMusic.com. Sweet. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. <laughs>